Oh, Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. Resurrection today is your day, your namesake. Resurrection day. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Let's not be confused. It's not the gardener that's risen, right? Story today. No gardener, but Christ is risen. Uh, uh, over a decade ago, back in Houston, it was an Easter weekend, and I was looking in the newspaper back when newspapers were kind of thick, and you could actually read them, and there was stuff in there um, <laughs> before the internet took over news. And I was looking at one of the Easter ads. It was a, f a full half-page ad, huge in color, uh, in the uh, section for Easter Sunday. And it was from one of our big Baptist churches in town, and they had across it and diagonally up, He is risen, and those big words there. And it was a wonderful, beautiful ad. The only problem I had with it was they had a big picture of the male senior pastor on the corner over here, right when, and then it was like, He is risen. Who? It's not the gardener that's risen. It's not the pastors or anyone else that's risen. It's Jesus is risen. Christ is risen today. Let's not be confused about who is risen. A colleague, pastor of mine in Nashville, Janet Wolf, tells a story of preaching on Easter Sunday. She was preaching her sermon, and every time she got to Alleluia, one of her congregants was out there, and she saw his, his fist pump in the air like this, and she didn't know what was happening. Um, she, she thought there might be missed in translation. Something was not quite communicating. And she, her church was part of the sanctuary movement. And so they had a community here and a community in Central America, and they exchanged pastors. And, and so this was one of the members of the sanctuary part of the church that was there. And so she went back after the church to make sure that, you know, uh, this person understood the hallelujah piece and why were they pumping their fist in the air like that. So she went back there and she started talking to him and she said, this is about, you know, uh, we're praising God. Jesus has risen. And, and he goes, Alleluia, power to the people. <laughs> Alleluia, power to the people. It is. Jesus is risen. Alleluia, power to the people. So she went there to try and help him understand it a little better. And he helped her get to a new place. Alleluia. Power to the people. Jesus is risen. No powers that be, no structures that conspire to harm, no failure of humanity, no DOMA, no Prop 8, not even death can stop God's love. Alleluia. Power for the people. I think anybody who has spent any length of time in a closet has a built-in hint of what resurrection is. I don't know how long you were there, but any time is too long. Sometimes you try to make that tomb space to be kind of wombful, yearning, waiting, creating, ready for transformation, transformation for ourselves, for each other and for the world. It's been quite a week. Have you been following the news? If you didn't know who Edie Windsor was before this week, I hope you know who she is now. This octogenarian lesbian, 83 years old, who found and loved and lost her dear Thea. This 83-year-old's taken on the United States. They love showing this clip of Edie this week when she talks about marriage being a magic word. Did y'all see that? It's like magic. 
the way people treat you. It's magic. And I don't disagree with that at all. But I loved another quote of Edie's better. She said, I wouldn't even wear a ring when we got engaged. I asked for a pen to wear instead, so I wouldn't have to explain it. And here I am talking freely to you. I would have been hiding in a closet 10 years ago. That's more than magic. Edie knows something of love changing her life, love not ending with the death of Thea. She knows about transformation. She's heard that rumor of resurrection. Alleluia! Power to the people. Some of you here may have heard or experienced some of these rumors of resurrection yourself. Rumors of healing and freedom and transformation. Rumors about love overcoming death. Love healing, freeing, transforming, and hoping. Barbara Brown Taylor writes that the resurrection is the one and only event in Jesus' life that was entirely between him and God. There were no witnesses whatsoever. No one on earth can say what happened inside that tomb because no one was there between Jesus and God. Well, perhaps so, but Mary showed up pretty fast. One of those Marys, you remember there's multiple Marys. Well, here's Mary Magdalene. Early in the morning, couldn't sleep on her way to the tomb. And she finds that the stone has been rolled away and she runs, she runs to tell the disciples, and they hear her, what they think is craziness, and follow her. They run back. Peter and the beloved disciple run back to the tomb. The younger one, the beloved, gets there faster, and Peter, impetuous as ever, gets there last, but runs in first. Mary's running back with them. We kind of do that a lot when we can't find Jesus. We run around a lot. Sometimes we get lost in a flurry of activity trying to find Jesus. So they run back. Peter looks in and sees that Jesus is gone. The beloved disciple looks in and sees and believes. He doesn't understand yet, but he believes. Something new, something hopeful is here for us. They just leave after that. They don't ask Mary how she's doing. They're pretty sure she's still in her right mind because the body is gone. It's interesting to note that in that day and time, it took two male witnesses to make something true. Not one woman's voice, but two male witnesses to make something true. So you've got Peter and the beloved there looking at the missing, the empty tomb. But let's consider Mary. She goes early, she discovers, she runs, she tells, she runs back, she weeps, she waits, she seeks, she hangs around the tomb. She's confused. And then Jesus says, Mary. The fog is gone, she hears the voice, she recognizes the one she loves. She recognizes Jesus. And then Mary declares, the first Easter preacher, Jesus is risen. Amen. So the two who knew that love, Mary Magdalene and the beloved disciple, somehow got it. 
Perhaps it was the love that helped them see before the others did. In the Christian century, there's a writer, Craig Barnes, and he says, the Gospels don't ask us today, do you believe? The Gospels ask us today, have you encountered a risen Christ? Have you encountered a risen Christ? We get the feeling that Mary was never the same after Easter. Neither is anyone who's learned that what matters is not being confident in our hold on Jesus, but in Jesus' hold on us. And being in that place, we can be ready for anything. After the resurrection, things don't get back to normal, and that's the good news. After seeing a risen Jesus, there is no new normal. It gets beyond what we can expect. We can't even count on the darkness. Jesus will find us there. All we know for sure is there's a risen Savior, and this Savior, this Jesus, is on the loose and knows our name. On the loose and knows our name. Hallelujah! Power to the people. A young man I knew in his 20s I knew him as George. Uh, his family called him Jorge, I discovered later. He was struggling with the progression of illness. He had been coming to our support group for about a year, and things were getting worse. Some of our volunteers had found him confused in his apartment, alone, and we got worried for him. AIDS was taking its toll. We found an address book and located the number of the father for whom we knew, from whom we knew Jorge George was estranged. We called anyway. We met his dad, Roel, a large man, a very traditional Catholic father, unable to accept his gay son. But Roel did still love Jorge, and Jorge loved his dad, but they could barely talk to each other. Roel and Jenny spent more time in Houston. Jenny was Jorge's stepmom. They started attending the support groups that Jorge was a part of to support him and to find support for themselves as they prepared for his death. Somewhere in the time spent between father and son and meals and prayers and support groups, a loving relationship grew where once it had withered Roel listened to his son's heart, and he heard within him the man that he was, the love that he had shared, the faith that he drew upon. Roel finally knew his son and loved him completely as he was created to be. But there was mutual healing. Roel finally knew and accepted his own status as a beloved child of God. He let go of the eyes of judgment that he had used on Jorge, those eyes he had also turned on himself as a divorced and remarried Catholic. You know, that's usually how judgment works. It's not just for those you pass judgment against. You usually also pass it on yourself as well. Found freedom from that. And in the midst of this, Jorge's health bloomed unexpectedly. It was another nine months before Jorge became seriously ill again. 
And we were in Bintob Hospital, and there he was surrounded by a loving family as he took his last breath. They were holding his hands and praying. Roel's shoulders slumped immediately. He heaved and weeped, wept. We prayed the prayers for God to receive Jorge. Just a week later, after the memorial service, where we all gathered and lifted up stories and prayers and music and shared communion, after that service, well, in the service first, Roel got up to speak, his dad, Jorge's dad. We all held our breath, and as he got up to the microphone, he said, thank you, thank you for helping me find my son again. And then he looked at the urn on the table there, and he, looked, and he said, Jorge, thank you. Thank you for helping me find my faith again. Thank you. Jenny, stepmom, wife, stood there crying silently beside him. Then at the end of the service, they were both openly grieving and in tears and having a hard time speaking, but they still approached me and said, can you help us find a way to help others? Jesus had called them by name and they were answering. Let's talk about love today. Love that overcomes death. Love that hangs around the tomb. Love that gets us called by name. Love that speaks out and changes the world. It was another period of time, just over a year, Roel and Ginny kept participating. They didn't stop coming. They drove in from Waller every week help other families have permission to love their children. They were good at giving that permission. They were what Henry Nouwen calls wounded healers. Having been there, they could help others find the way. After one of those events, Jenny came up to me and took me to the side, and she sort of whispered like she might have been a little bit ashamed. But she said, Troy, I have never been baptized. I didn't grow up in a family that knew anything about church. But I need you to know that I've found Jesus here. Christ loves me. Will you baptize me? Jenny had hung around the tomb and been called by name. On that next Easter Sunday morning, she was there at sunrise, out in the garden, on her knees, receiving the sacrament of baptism. Her eyes were bright as the water was poured over her head and the words were spoken. I traced the sign of the cross on her forehead in oil, saying those historical words. The Holy Spirit work within you that being born of water and of spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And as I said the words, I remembered tracing that same cross on Jorge's head in Bintab calling the Holy Spirit to seal and surround him. As I looked at Jenny kneeling there on the ground, her husband Roel behind her with her hands upon her shoulders, my heart helped me see Jorge, bright as an angel, arms surrounding them both, smiling. I have no doubt that love conquers all that God acted through Jesus to help us know that truth, 
the rumors of resurrection are more than rumors. That Jesus shows that love to us and leads us back to that very love God gives us. That Jesus calls us by name. Jenny, Jesus had said, and she answered. Mary, Jesus said, and hearing her name, she meets the risen Christ. Have you heard your name? Listen with your heart. The risen Christ waits to meet you. This Jesus is on the loose. This Jesus is on the loose and knows your name. Amen.